Hello and welcome to the Messed Up Gardener. My name is Esther Aiken and I'm your host for today and I am buzzed to be here. So today we're going to be talking about layering your garden. No, I'm not really talking about the layers of soil in your garden. That's also a very exciting topic, but in this case I'm talking about planting your garden in layers and it very much depends on what it is that you're trying to achieve in your garden. I have a multitude of gardens that I work with and in this case I'm gonna the example I'm gonna use in this case is I have a raised garden which has two levels in it. So my version of layering because I need it to be productive too. So mum on a budget here I need it to be one pretty aesthetically pleasing obviously so pretty I need it to be productive as in I need it to be able to produce food whether that's in fruit or just veg I need it to have organic you know so the you know the the looking um, well again aesthetics looking good but it needs to have a purpose as well and it has to have something in there that I could potentially propagate on and take advantage of either you know financially or for Christmas gifts and things like that for presents so that I've got something there that in a pinch I can pot up and present at a dinner or anything like that so and when I say layering I'm like literally talking about height so the layers and height so I have sort of three really defined layers in my this particular garden so we've got the ground level so the ground level sort of tends to be my the first 30 centimeters then I've got the next layer which tends to be roughly from the third between the 30 and the 70 to a meter layer and then I've got my endless layer which is in this case I've got a Louisa plum in there which I've centered in the middle of the garden and I work around it now I have a number of different elements in this garden I have water holding plants like the bromeliads where over summer they do actually hold the water in their crowns and trickle the water through into the root systems but not only does it trickle the root the water into the root systems for their roots but also the surrounding soil and every time it rains it tops up again so that I'm getting you know it's basically a really uh, easy track into maintaining water but while still getting a really good ground coverage of vegetation to keep the soil moisture in. Bromeliads like shade so in summer what I to cover that during summer especially that's where the Louisa plum comes in I make sure I prune the the, the skirt of the tree or the up higher so that I can work underneath the, this particular tree without getting my hair caught or body scratched trying to work with the vegetation around the base of this tree and then behind it I've actually added on an extra couple of uh, posts um, and rail type situation like a little retaining wall up where I've actually got a corner of orchids growing in a different media so I've actually kept the different soils uh, apart so the orchid part of it is more bark um, so that more bark related so more of an orchid mix which is coarser rougher 
with a lot more drainage and uh, a lot more air circulation around those root systems because they don't like being too wet. Even though they technically, I mean, they're, they tend to like more bark anyway because naturally they grow as epiphytes in rainforests and grow into the tree and hold on with their um, quite fibrous roots, which look like sort of almost from a distance, if you've never seen it before, looks like a simple sponge root. Uh, it holds quite a bit of moisture in the roots itself, but they don't like being overly wet because they will rot out. So I've got these three layers. So I've got my ground covers, I've got my, then the orchid's a little bit higher, I've got the the deciduous tree because the Louisa does drop its leaves in winter, so I'm still getting the light into the garden in the winter. I'm not missing out on any of that. And the leaves from the Louisa, when it does fall, it actually acts as a mulch over the ground and um, holds the moisture in over summer when it's decaying, you know, obviously over the spring period, and I'm putting nutrients back into the soil that way which is really cool because it's a nice ecosystem that is providing its own nutrients. Now, the one thing I have noticed is I have to make sure that the vegetation, the leaves that fall from this particular deciduous tree has to, you know, when it falls, it also sits into the crown of these bromelias. So I do actually do pick them out. I'll spend a little bit of time cleaning up the centers for my bromeliads just to make sure that they're not rotting the veg you know the leaves don't rot in the crowns and cr rot out my bromeliads so there is a little bit of upkeep in this garden not a lot not a lot like the way it's got little granny's bonnets in there which are super cute little self-seeded um well the parent plant went in and it's been self-seeding and covering itself um little flowers that are super cute and fills uh, the gaps. I've also got borage in there to encourage the bees to come and visit that garden. You know, so I've got the herbs in there. I've like the borage, the rosemary, the creeping rosemary around the front of the retaining wall, and then I've got things like uh, perpetual spinach, which I cut out once it gets to a certain height because I don't want it to overtake me. But I've also got a few silver beets in there, just and rainbow silver beets, which is a really great. A variety of different colours but you don't want to let them go to seed in that particular garden because they will take over so it's a little bit more controlled but at the end of the day that particular garden is really productive because I'm getting I've got these different layers in there every layer caters for a reason and it the basically the leaf fall from the deciduous fruit tree in there it, replenishes that soil so that I've got nutrients going back in so whatever I'm losing the bromeliads hold the water over summer especially you know when I'm because I do water them in summer especially here in New Zealand it can get really dry we've had a couple of years of some really nasty droughts we're losing quite a few of our mature um, pine like tree species which I've um, with my day job I monitor a lot of those on our um, in our network and it's been quite prolific the droughts and the negative impacts it's been having we also get a lot of water restrictions in New Zealand with uh, our towns growing faster than the water supply can sustain us so in certain areas so we've got to find tricks and hacks to make sure our water lasts and bromeliads have been really an easy fix in certain gardens because they do hold the water. So when you're watering them, it's a nice little water tank for the rest of the vegetation. So 
easy hack there. But I, because of the, I, I've got quite a small space around my section, at the end of the day, it's got to be productive. So one of the things I really like doing is with the orchids I've got growing around the base and the back of this particular garden, I split them out quite regularly because I can I plant them up, pot them up, and I give them away as gifts. Even even if you've got just one one orchid bulb, for example, with a nice little root system and a lot of and a bit of green on it at the end of the day, it makes a really cool Christmas present. And it is constantly regrowing and it is a sustainable gift, for example. So. The orchids are my high end. The bromeliads I can also split out and I can also gift or give away. So I'm constantly getting production out of those. My Louisa plum, it grows like mad, mad, mad hatter. It is massive. It is, um, the Louisa is a self-fertilizing plum. It's a old-fashioned plum, so it's you know it tastes good. You can use it for bottling. You can use it as a dessert fruit. You can just eat it out of the tree, basically. It is full, full of taste, flavor, and really, really juicy. And it's also a really good-lasting plum. It doesn't go off really quick. You know, like some plums can go fungusy quite quickly. And they don't seem to last on the tree very well. They kind of, you know, fall off and you sort of wonder what on earth you're doing trying to grow this, you know, trying to grow fruit in your back gardens. Whereas in the Louisa is definitely one of my favorites. It's very, very heavy cropping, very easy to grow. It doesn't require a lot of management and maintenance. It, you know, I like to sort of prune mine every other year rather than and keeping it a bit smaller rather than forcing a prune on a deciduous fruit tree every single year. Everybody's different. Uh, you, you some, you know, some people swear by pruning their fruit trees every day, every year, and pushing the canes down and really pushing these trees to grow. I like to sort of let a tree do its own thing for a little bit, so I can see what form it's developing, and then prune accordingly. So in that case, it's really. A, a very productive little garden, I get the herbs out of it, I get the bees having food out of it, I get the uh, opportunity and the possibilities of splitting things out and, and making them available to be turned into garden gifts and things like that. And I'm also able to restore nutrients back in the soil with the leaf drop and I am able to use that base layer with the bromeliads to hold water for the garden when it's really dry. At least, you know, it's there. The bromeliads not only hold water for themselves, but it also provides a little, um, a little catchment for bees and insects and things like that to drink from. So you're not, not having water in your garden, and it's a source. Uh, for you know, quite a nice little microclimate and ecology with insects and bacteria and and fungi and all those good things that make and help your garden grow. So that's what I mean with layering. It is incredibly important in your garden. So the next time you go out and you have a look at your garden, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or an advanced, have a look at how your gardens are structured, or you know, you'll see that they've actually formed a layer 
um, as it is. Like there's never a fixed height. It's never a one garden fit all, unless that's how you've purposely developed the garden. In nature, there are the different levels. You've got, you know, for example, a forest floor. You've got the understory, which tends to be your ferns, mosses, lichens, mushrooms, that type of vegetation, a lot of leaf litter, and you've got a lot of insect uh, activity in the leaf litter, and that we're helping it break down for the bigger trees, obviously. And then, you know, you go into that next step here in New Zealand, it tends to be the hebes, the caprosmas, and um, the flaxes if you're on boggier margins. And from there, you're looking, then you're looking at the um, the next next tree line which can be anything from your tatokis right through to your rimus and cowries so that's the ultimate high tall canopy right, and then in your canopy you get the epiphytes which is your astelias and your um, orchids of sorts so you know it really does paint a picture of the layers and each layer has a purpose Every layer has a purpose in your garden. Um, in your garden, if you're naturally, you know, if you let your garden grow on its own and you just walk away and ignore it, you'll see you've got the different types of grasses that will start to grow. Then you've got the different type of weeds that come in and then you've got the, eventually you've got established trees and things that will start developing as well. So when you see a lot of waste, waste plots, wasteland plots, You'll see the weeds start first and then eventually you'll start seeing the natural native vegetation taking over again. And that's just a way of the, your gardens basically resetting themselves and re-establishing. So not necessarily always with the plants that nature intended for that particular area and often it's the garden escapes that'll take over and or the plant pests that have come in from overseas that have started to dominate but either way it is a weed you know a weed is a human's perception of a plant plant planted in the, or growing in the wrong place sorry not planted but it naturally growing in the wrong place but to the weed it doesn't know it's a weed and it's just a plant doing its thing so everything is perception in a garden but either way it's so important to grow in layers and if you're going to maximize small spaces indoor or outdoors it sometimes really is important and critical to have a look at the type of layers that you're growing i like to have my gardens really productive and with the different layers and also the different seasons i'll have the different herbs in there and the different types of vegetables which i'll use to fill a gap especially in summer i'll use different types of veggies to cover the soil so that I'm retaining the soil moisture and I'm not missing out or on all that um, potential goodness. And by keeping soil moisture in the soil, you're also maintaining healthier plants rather than putting them under pressure with drought and dehydration. And even though we've got the water restrictions, there are ways around making it work for you I try and catch my own rainwater, even though I'm on town water, I still have uh, large barrels out where I've got catch the rainwater that I then use to water my plants in summer. So anything, anything really goes, especially when you're on a budget. 
and you can't afford a lot, you've you know making your garden work for you. In my case, again, I make it work by ensuring that I've got food coming out of it. I can use it to, you know, sort of propagate Christmas presents, birthday presents, that sort of thing. I know my friends get a little bit sick and tired sometimes of getting greenery from me, but at the end of the day, it's what I do and it's what fits within my budgets. And don't get me wrong, uh, potting mix is and can be quite expensive. And also, if you get a shit potting mix, then sometimes you can get quite nasty results with root rot, fungus, bacterial damage and also sometimes the transfer of insects. So it pays to definitely keep an eye on the type of soil that you're using to pot into. But again, so layering in your garden, it is something that requires a little bit of attention. It is something that you can get a lot of goodness out of, a lot of productivity and potentially a nice crop of fruit and vegetables while still having an organic feel to it. And when I mean organic, I mean sort of that ornamental, beautiful, natural flow to things, you know, and also by managing it organically without sprays and things because you're, you're able to sustain its own watering by just using natural plant elements such as the bromeliads. Now, bromeliads are really easy to grow so if you can grow them you can split them out from somebody's clump in the garden they're really quite pretty they are they love the shade they don't do so well in full sun there are some varieties that will thrive but also they don't mind they're not fussy with their soils as long as they don't get really wet feet then they're happy days and at the end of the day my orchids they are thriving in their own soil which is quite fibrous and barky and they quite like the shade. And my fruit tree is basically providing nutrients back into the soil. I do, I must confess, I do put a bit of um, nitrofosca blue in autumn. I'll spread it around a couple of tablespoons. Nitrofosca blue is a fertilizer which has nitrogen but with as well as all the uh, potassium and phosphates and things like that that you need um, is a good all-rounder. But what I really do like about the nitrofosca here in New Zealand is it also has a really good blend of trace elements um, and micro mac nutrients in there that are really uh, quite broad and it has this magnesium and things like that in it, which really makes such a difference to production of a garden and fruiting and flowering. So I suppose it is something I, probably the only thing I really add to that garden other than watering. I And also, you know, the leaf litter does a big chunk of the nutrient replacement in those gardens. But at the end of the day, also by propagating out the bromeliads and the orchids and even splitting out some of the granny bonnets and things like that I'm constantly giving the plants more room to grow as well so it's constantly providing a a new opportunity for the plants to continue to spread rather than they've grown you know confined in their space and they've got no more room to grow 
So all these different things, I know I've packed a lot of information into this episode and it's, in this respect, I know it can be um, a little bit overwhelming. And I hope I painted the picture of what a layered garden looks like successfully and all the facets that are tied into that and why it's so important. You know, like you can turn layered gardens into really productive gardens. It doesn't have to be all about it just being ornamental. You can include a number of different elements into layered gardens and it doesn't always have to be permanent plants. It can also be uh, annuals, perennials. Um, annuals is, you know, plants that only, they fruit or, or flower um, in a year, in the one year. Perennials are more than three years and biannual is things like carrots that, that basically flower in the second year. The first year it all goes, all their goodness goes into the roots and then in the second year they produce the flower and the seed. So those are biannual. But at the end of the day, I really love using vegetable foliage to produce colour. So vegetable plant foliage to produce colour in my gardens like the rainbow silver beet. And as long as you keep them under control and you keep using them as you grow them, then they won't go to seed so quickly and you tend to get really good value out of it. All right. So if you've got any questions, gardening questions, that you would like me to answer either on the podcast or uh, one-on-one, DM me. I'm on uh, Instagram and TikTok at The Messed Up Gardener. I would love to get some feedback about the layers in your garden and how it is that you are managing those layers and if you're getting any productivity out of them and what a layered garden looks like to you. And at the end of the day, it takes a village, you know, to to raise a, you know, a family. So, and budgets are hard these days and I would definitely love to get some feedback. So... Till next time, have an amazing, amazing week and keep on gardening. Enjoy, you know, the fruits of your labour and I will catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I would love to hear about your gardening adventures. Flick me a DM on Instagram at The Messed Up Gardener or send me an email and let's connect. Don't forget to check out my gardening reels on TikTok. If you are looking for some help planning your next garden project or just need some one-on-one private coaching, reach out and let's get growing. If you have a garden-related business or you're looking at starting a gardening business, including arboriculture, land clearing, firewood or a general plant growing and selling business, let's work together in my one-on-one private business development coaching container. Having helped my clients grow several six-figure plus businesses, including from startup to working on million-dollar open space management contracts for many years now. Let me help you and let's grow your business so you can leapfrog your profits and establish a viable and sustainable business. If you're looking for a business podcast, check out my The Let's Biz You Up podcast available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If this episode was at all helpful, please share with others and let's get growing in any space, in any place and on any budget. Till next time, happy gardening and buzz you later.